Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Outlook. I'm Luke Anthony and this week I spoke to Sadia Asmat, who is a British Asian stand-up comedian, writer and podcaster from East London. Her comedy delves deep into the whole experience of the UK job market, how working in a call centre eliminated that visual discrimination and also speaks about the cultural issues that this country faces right now. But I can't forget, she has also broken ground with her amazing podcast, No Country for Young Women, which is on BBC Towns with Monty Onanuga. They speak graphically and honestly about life, love and work in a white man's world. It's really worth listening to. I learn a hell of a lot. But before you do that, please welcome to the show, Sadia Razmat. So how did, how did um, BBC Towns come about? Because you, you started off doing your uh, questions you frequently asked yeah. With, with BBC iPlayer mm-hmm. um, and, and, that, and that sort of bred from that did it yeah well done so you've done your research um, I've skipped like four questions as well <laughs> oh well we can always come back to them um, so I had a little short which is still on um, called Things I Master as a British Muslim mm. and a few years later I was really lucky just um, BBC reached out and said uh, do you have any ideas for a podcast and I did uh, I'm really like interested like I, I think my favorite types of comedians are Americans and I think they are really good and comfortable talking about issues of race and they're really open about relationships as well but um so those are my two favorite topics so I pitched the idea for no country to them went through a whole bunch of titles like my initial mm. title was race horse yeah I really wanted it to be called I that. To your first four minute preview oh. it, um, uh, straight away and I, yeah you go through quite a few names mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I'm glad they let us have that. Oh, thank yeah. you. So anyway, uh, then, yeah, we came up with No Country, which is basically the theme of it is if you don't always feel like the place you're from. So obviously I'm from Britain, but sometimes people will question that just based on how I look. And um, this series, which is series three, which has started this week on Tuesday, yeah. uh, is a, more about, so we've kind of touched on those topics and now about what is home and how can you make yourself feel at home? So if you are away or if you're in a place that you didn't always feel comfortable, like how can you bring home wherever you go? Mm. So we've okay. had some big guests this series. We've got Rose McGowan. Oh, wow. Talking about Me Too a little bit and talking about um, her different um, artistic endeavours. She's doing theatre for the first time or, or stage for the first time, I should say. We met Ainsley Harriet. Oh, brilliant. So he talked about food and how London is home for him. And we've had amazing people like Phil Wang. Uh, we did a couple of episodes at Edinburgh. So Phil Wang and Phoebe Robinson, part of Two Dope Queens. So mm. I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, I started listening to the, the podcast and when... Wow, well, I, I, I listen to the lot in one go, like, like oh, because I was at work. Thank and you. I just, I just, when I'm at work, I, I design, I do, ta- I do CAD. So right? CAD stands for design, right? Yeah, C-A- yeah. So what is it again? CAD, so um, computer aided design. Uh, Excuse me, I can lose my job. So just if on I that. need, no, you won't. If, if um, I need any man. designs, I come yeah. to you, right? Yeah, if you want, yeah. Is why it not? for houses I'm, or what I'm do you I'm available for bookings. <laughs> <laughs> that is what a comedian as well. Um, exactly. We're doing telecoms at the moment, so I'm doing all the rollout for 5G. Um, wow! Yeah, so that's is that going to fry people's brains, as people have been saying online? Yeah, so it's gone over. It's gone over like microwave levels now. Mm. Um, so if you if you jam, okay, don't do this, by the way. But if you jam like the button in a, a microwave and then shut your head in it, but don't fully shut it and turn it on, <gasps> then that's the, that's basically what you do if you're right in the middle of in that like exclusion zone. Yeah, holy that's, that's the equivalent shit! If you're standing right next to it. Um, 
So, <laughs> so, so just, just to get, so this is, this is not about comedy, and this is about my day job, which is a great job, but it's just a very sort of mindless job, you know, and once you get your head in, you just do it. So listening to podcasts, to bring back to my point, is, is like just a natural thing, like I don't have to speak to anyone to do it, I just listen, you, you guys are my friends when I'm listening to podcasts, and so... Um, yeah, I'm there just cracking up all day long about what people are saying. Oh. I particularly like your podcast because because it's something that, as a straight white male, that you completely and utterly defame on the podcast many, many times. Um, I think it's really important that that me as a straight white male does listen to those things because I, it educates you. Because even even though I consider myself as woke, and I hate that term. Yeah, um, I like that you said that. Very yeah. <laughs> good. I, I hate that term. I absolutely hate the term. I, I, you mm. know, it's, it's so it's become hack and it's used too much in in media now. Um, yeah. But if, if that is the term we're using, then then I identify as that. Nice. Um, but I know that there's still that passive kind of not knowing that ignorance I, I don't quite understand and I think the important thing from gathering from your podcast is that really is not that we want you to understand we want you to understand that you don't understand and it's kind of it isn't it it's- yeah I mean to be honest with you I'm gonna I tweeted this recently I'm, I'm really dodgy on Twitter but I guess I'm, <laughs> you know when you're naked in bed and you know why not you're very uninhibited and I mean, I will say, (laughs) I will say on your, on your podcast that, listen, to be honest with you, straight white men have been my biggest allies. My agent's white, my directors have been white, people who've given me opportunities or, or interested or even gigs or even lifts to gigs or even guest spots on podcasts, (laughs) mostly, do you know what I mean? So I just think it's not even their fault. It's just society has kind of like doesn't always represent underrepresented audiences so for me what no country does is um provide provide art for everybody so we have had um you know the typical radio four listenerships like we've had emails from from you know middle-aged white men and we've had uh, such a diverse listenership from around the world so i didn't expect it but half of our listeners are from outside the uk places like zambia dubai uh, and I really think that we have so much more in common than we have apart. Mm. And I appreciate white people's art. I love Bill Burr. You know, I love uh, loads of comedians um, of, you know, and, and I think as us having been on the circuit, on the stand up scene, I don't really begrudge the success of the white man, to be honest with you, because they're the majority of the people in the open mics or the regular mics that they're hustling. They've paid their dues. But I think before I before I really got into that, I didn't see it. So you just see the end result of them being super successful and you're kind of a bit, not aggrieved, but, you know, you're just like, that's lucky for them. But then working on the grassroots up, um, and it is changing. There's so many more females now and stuff mm. like that. But like, I don't begrudge anybody because I know how hard it is to make it in this industry. So if somebody's been able to do that, then well done. You know, give yeah. credit where it's due because mm. it's not easy to mm. what we do. You you know that there's like a minimum seven to ten spell of kind of just really grinding it out and hustling um and then you know opportunities a lot of it is luck a lot of it is knowing the right people um necessarily then over talent in some cases right yeah no definitely yeah there's people that aren't very good at are famous you know yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things i'm not we're not going to be libelous on this podcast um we're not i'm, I'm not with the bbc but <laughs> BBC wants uh, another podcast <laughs> happily come up with a really great idea yes um no country for young men or something like that. <laughs> 
which yeah. is things seem to be shaping out yeah, yeah, seems yeah. to be the case <laughs> so they're good to be a white man <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching Joker the movie yeah because um, I read something recently about how it's caused so much debate already before it's even out mm. between like um, I think because of incels and the amount of you know what can we say white terrorism I don't know but I'm still going to watch it and I think it's weird that people it, it, sh- it sh- shows that how bad things are if people are already arguing about something without any basis yeah, I think that kind of no is not yeah it's yeah. not a good place to be because film is art and uh, film should be speaking about things that might be quote unquote I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word but it should be provocative it should be provoking mm. and there should be a place for it and I don't want to be in a place where we're censoring art no absolutely not yeah and and, and um, yeah and I think that the main thing that I think you achieve with um, Monty Onanuga with with the BBC Sounds app, um, and and you know No Country for Young Women is is the fact that you know it, it's just another platform for you to speak, and it's an alternative view. It, it is the the um, the minority view, and you have that platform, and I think you're reaching out, and it's great. And I think that it's those conversations, those difficult and uncomfortable conversations, that we need to break down in society and in the UK because like I've, I've seen your stand-up stuff and it's amazing and stuff but it, comedy like I said to you on, on Facebook like great comedy is great comedy and it will be great to get to a point where people can laugh about these sensitive subjects that you talk Thank about. Thank you. I totally agree with you. I think there is still some, like I just come back from the fringe and, you know, most of the audiences were amazing and supportive but I did get a tweet exactly the same saying... Um, I have to look at myself to why I didn't feel comfortable with laughing. Some of the things that were really funny jokes, um, which was an ally, a white, lovely lady. And, um, you know, we, we will get to that place. I think with the podcast, what it shows is that me and Monty aren't really woke. And sometimes things change. Like you, you might feel really staunchly about something one day and then be really relaxed the next day. In In some ways, you could say it's a bit fluid. I, I find it difficult. The the difficulty I find is I don't I don't I'm not every Muslim, okay, or every Asian female, whatever. So you can't then take on their problems if you don't want to be seen as a collective. So it feels as though uh, you know in you know some people are upset about the historical things that happen to their groups, uh, but to be honest, I don't see myself as a victim of slavery. So. Either I want to represent myself and therefore I can only um, speak on my true lived experiences or I'm every woman and therefore I'm never going to be happy because I'm <laughs> always going to have a problem with something going on. So I think it's about compromise. It's about understanding which you listening and and being on board is really helpful. It's, nobody asks you of it. So it is big of you. You don't have to take time out of your day. There's a plethora of podcasts available. So I am grateful. I don't think being entitled is the right look because as an oppressed or, or, you know, with... Okay, I was going to say something that I didn't mean. But like when ISIS came out... I felt I found it really difficult. And I found Muslims being oppressed uh, by the media and stuff like that. But I think there's always... Be careful who you oppress because we're all part of humanity and then Mm -hmm. if you kind of restrict the laws and the rights of one group sadly that that tends to become um alienate people it happens to everybody basically now i'm seeing it with like i'm a little bit with white guys 
a little bit maybe the the resurgence of the far right wing yeah so it's like that word uh, contagion that's the word I was Mm. looking I was trying to think of that movie with that weird poster but it's it's contagion so just be kind to people and try and put good vibes out there and then listen like someday it's you and you're being oversensitive and someday it's the world and things need to be put to to right and stuff like that but we can all have conversations um you're never going to agree with everybody's mm. point of view no exactly and if you try to get on board with everybody then then you're just please no one and like uh, another another great podcast that um is out there is insane in the membrane oh, okay. um, by rich wilson um okay fantastic comedian he talks about um like men's mental health um and he often speaks about it quite graphically and things and speaks about how like you know it comes from an era when when um you know the, he had all these bad attitudes or it wasn't or, masculine or, to have yeah, a mental yeah, health exactly problem. yeah and so but then speaks about it on the podcast but it just shows like even when I started doing Outlook on Life with my, my a couple of my friends some of the things that I said in like the first and second episode like you, you have to I went back and checked myself just to check that I didn't say anything like libelous because I, I you know in that time I've grown as a person do you worry that some of the things you said in the early episodes that you'll be pulled up on later when, as, as your career has. like. If I'm being... honest with you, I'm more concerned about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> with, what have you done? With, <laughs> I don't know, but like the way that things are going for other acts, it's a mm. little bit concerning if something from 10 years. But I did do a bit of a deep dive and I think there's only so much they go back, I think. So first of all, people who go back and look for dirt are the lowest scum on earth let's be honest yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's different if you if it's now than if you're looking for shit like that's mm. just fucking terrible behaviour I think I'm so lucky with the podcast because the producer we're, we're, we're so privileged to have a producer and they do safeguard us because there's been a few things <laughs> that have literally not made it oh, really? I say a few probably regularly from me <laughs> so um, I, I'm not too concerned I think I think for me, right, I think probably the same with you. When you're doing a podcast, you don't want to just talk and waffle for the sake of it. Although, obviously, if you're around friends or whatever, it it is funny. But for me, I like to mean what I say. Mm. So even if my stance changes, looking back, like if, if, if something I said in the first few episodes wasn't right, I might understand, still might be able to understand where I was at that point. But I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I think people don't change that often. No. I think you are no. what you are. I think so. I think, and you revert back to like your equilibrium, don't you? Always. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no matter how much you try and change it, like, or someone calls you out on something and you try and adapt the way you think, like, the, you, you still have those thoughts. Those thoughts just often don't make it outwardly. That's all. Yeah. Um, I think with comedy, good comedy is truth. So if you was yeah. trying to be honest or there, if there was truth behind your motivations or your feelings or so if there was some level of truth, I'd rather be honest than um, just popular. Yeah. I would rather be yeah. honest and like disagreed with than popular, but like compromised my belief system mm. or where I stood on a point of view just to, which is hard to balance because we're in a game where you need followers and you need likes, quote unquote. But um I think we're lucky as comedians to have that stage where people will go with you a certain way, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> I'm laughing at my own question. Before <laughs> I, <said it>. um, <laughs> I thought it was very funny when I wrote it. I can't see the screen, guys. No, no, just let you know. <laughs> How did you go from a very honourable profession in a call centre to comedy then? Okay, nice question. Thank Basically, you. I worked. I like the affirmation. 
when you're really well researched, Luke, if I was, if it was the other way around, I might be like trying to wing it, which is not good. Uh, so I like. I well, like we born in England. All right, cool. Good, yeah. good research. Nice so one. what's Cambridge like? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just exactly the way, exactly the way it's reported online. <laughs> so it's posh, isn't it? Yeah, mate. Oh. Yeah. yeah. No, I got one's got mugs, but they just wanted the money for a tailor-made sleeping bag. Motherfuckers. Well. Yeah. Pieces of yeah. crap. Probably for vegan avocados or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If vegan, yeah, why? Well, <laughs> No wasp were harmed, harmed in the, the growing of this um, veg. That's they probably what can't wasp, sleep now, uh-huh. and they're probably they probably they probably your uh, people who burglarized you, but who burglarized? Sorry, me. the people who robbed you. violated. Yeah, well. they probably can't sleep now. They're probably going to make a, a random like mm. a. Dis- a donation to PayPal to support your podcast I hope they, I hope they, yeah maybe yeah <laughs> you love that yeah yeah the, the annoying thing about the stereotypes of Cambridge is that often those that live there don't study in Cambridge and don't have the money to study in Cambridge it's the, oh. those that come and visit us and then fuck off afterwards and don't benefit the what is the um, the racial Makeup of okay, is that random? What's the percentage of? Oh, is it going to be really? I was like, how many Polish do you have in Cambridge? I I tried to count them once, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's it's slightly harder to notice. Um, No, I don't know. It's a very transient population because it's very moving. With like, you know, it's very tourist student as well. Yes, yes, tourists and students. So, Mm. you know, you get a lot of that in like the town centre and things like that. But what do you have uh, as in tourist attraction, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I don't know. The colleges are important. Okay. Yes, people be... go and look at colleges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. These right. people, these people what? They're That's what I don't get about the... white people. They go train spotting. They go b- pigeon watching. <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's good to be one with nature. I'm just he- player hating because that's not what I do. But I would not go to a town to go and look at a college. No. Okay, well... Uh, I will go for the food. We really have nice restaurants Yeah, there, yeah, right? it's, it's, it's trying to model itself on um, the, the trendier places in London. Because my um, friend People went have to now big beards and all that, so... Oh, is it hipsters? hipsters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, they think they're cool anyway, but, you know... So, just... I was working in a call centre, and um, basically it was a, a posh one where they had some celebrity clients. So, I had my monthly appraisal. Do you have them at CAD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So do your colleagues like um, support you in terms of? Do you have conversations with them about your, you know, like your <laughs> you're such, real job? You're such, you're such an interviewer. You just, so, <laughs> so uh, how did how did you go from a very honourable profession <laughs> to, to comedy? Basically, I was working at a posh uh, call centre, and I had my month monthly one to one with the manager and uh, being me I was just like listen man I want to write can you hook me up with like a contact something like that and then apparently like there was a comedian um, on the Banks magazine and so he said I don't know anything I can't help you but I can put you in touch with the editor of the magazine and see if the comedian would be willing to help you which was nice of him and I really appreciate to the day because this meeting um, changed everything because I did see some websites on how to do it before but it's not something that I uh, felt brave enough to go no. and do so I met with the comedian Deborah Francis White in Camden yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we went out for dinner and I sent I showed her some material and I said listen I really want to be a writer and she said these are jokes well, why don't you do stand up and I said nah but then she literally rang up Lynn Parker um, booked me a gig two weeks time and she said listen let's just do this and so I did a rehearsal of five minutes set at her at her flat and then bish bash bosh uh, first gig 70 people liked it 
Um, and she she kind of in the early stages was really helpful, I would say, like in terms of mentoring me mm. um, and just being a, like a, a warm introduction to the very cold. No, this is not, I'm just joking. To, to the, you know, the circuit, basically, you know, this is Edinburgh. This is what people do here. This is how you, you know, you should do this many gigs a week. This is what you do. Da, 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 da. So, yeah, um, I was just lucky. Um because I did, like I said, I looked at websites before. But I think when you come out of school, if you're not doing drama or performing arts, then for some reason, like public speaking tends to become a phobia or, or tends to become a bigger deal than it needs to be. But I think once you've done it, you feel great because uh, it's good to conquer your fears as well. Mm. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and the, the other thing is, I mean, you have to take some credit there. Obviously, it's great to get the opportunity in, in the first place, but you still have to be good at comedy. Um, thank you Uh, I don't know I think as comedians we're always like critical of of what we're what we're doing um, Mm. and how we can get better and strive for better but I just think um, as you probably know and I think what we hate being told is just enjoy it (laughs) which is good advice but it's really difficult when there's so much um, going on it's so it's so nuanced there's very many layers and you know it's your dream so it it counts man it it really means a lot so it's easy to tell a comedian enjoy it and we want to just laugh (laughs) Exactly, yeah, we can only enjoy it if you laugh. <laughs> the, next, the next 24 hours and maybe a couple of weeks is is absolutely dependent on the fact that you laugh. I think we put too much pressure on audiences, actually. I'm, I'm better now, you know. Look, when I started, I, I won't lie, like when there's a whole room yet and there was one person giving me a dodgy look, but the whole room liked it. And that one person, I let Grind them, you, I let them yeah. psych me out. But now it's funny. Look, yeah. I think the more you do it, the less you're phased by it. And I think that's what it's about. It's about treating it like a job, turning up, switching on um, and doing your job, man. Like even if you've had a shit day, you'll appreciate that um, these people have come out and given their time and money or time or money. And uh, I really appreciate a full room than an empty room. So I'm going to definitely try and entertain these people. Um, and that's the balance that we need to strike mm. in terms of being... Um, professional about it because mm. you know it's I, i've seen it before where there's some people having a breakdown on stage and i'm just like this is not what i want to watch no this not, not what I, no, watch. I see too much of that and like, i'm on the inside so yeah. I, I i have empathy for mental health and i have empathy but like listen you know i just think uh have respect as well isn't it for people mm. because it's not it's just I don't know it's so self-indulgent and people people I was told that what we're doing we have a privilege that people get to hear us and that we have a voice Mm. so I don't want to take that for granted and make my you know if, if there's something funny in it then fine but often what I'm talking about is where people are just literally sounding off and uh feeling sorry for themselves on stage and that's just definitely a pity party is not comedy i can't remember who said it it may this this might embarrass me because it might have been mm-hmm. you but someone said that that they went to a gig and so, someone just pulled up a chair sat down and said you know what i'm just going to talk about mental health because it's what we should do in comedy so didn't do any jokes they just spoke about their mental health and scrapped all jokes i can't remember who it was who said it um, oh wow if you listen to it, i'm sorry i didn't remember your name but i'll 
plug you in a post-amble or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, obviously, like, you know, it's so subjective. Is that the right yeah. word? It's, I think, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So, you know, I think what that person potentially was alluding to is that they want to be uh, operating on different levels. But obviously, the first one is to make people laugh, to be funny, mm. right? And then everything else, if it makes people think, if it, if it was risque, if it was, uh, you know, topical, if it was sentimental those are all side things but the first thing you have to make people laugh mm, like I love Norm yeah. MacDonald and he said that it's about making everybody laugh at the same time mm. and then too many people at the minute are you know uh, trying to be clever or I'm sorry I don't want to misquote Norm but it was just it's, it's like too sad yeah, and yeah. I know I, I do talk about dark things and stuff, but it was a healthy reminder to me that it is primarily number one. Like you can't go to the Olympics and not run if you're in the hundred mile, hundred whatever it is, hundred meter sprint. Yeah, you got to be running. You can't walk, and yeah, yeah. you can't fucking hol, you know hop. It's like so. That is running is is the name of the game. Our one laughing is the name of the game. I think I think the equivalent with like uh, the Olympics would be like attending being be like a big athlete. You saying Bolt turns up to um to the Olympics and then just turns on the games console and plays it on the Xbox. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like you're kind of doing it. You're kind of doing it, but you're not doing it. Um, I think I think like someone like James Haycaster who doesn't do any of mental health stuff in his in his um, stand up mm-hmm. and has obviously built his career on his own sort of persona and all that sort of stuff mm. and been very successful. Mm. Taking him a long time, um, you know, but he's he's got there and he's now used the fact that he has a platform to speak separately about these things on on TV programs on podcasts and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's the right way to do it. If you have the platform and you have the voice and the reach. Then that's then that's more important. Having conversations like this, doing like your podcast that you're doing, yeah. separates it from comedy. Yeah, it's funny. It's got funny aspects. We have a good chat, mm. but at the same time, when it comes to comedy, you've been paid fifty, eighty quid during the week and a couple of hundred pounds at the weekend. You know, if you're lucky, um, to make people laugh, and yeah. that's that's what you're there for. People not are out on a Saturday night to have a break from things like Brexit, to have a break from all the shit that's been going on in politics and all that stuff, to get away from the mm. things they've been struggling with and just laughing at the things that they're finding annoying. And and that's what I think comedy needs to do. And, and another thing I wanted to touch on, um, actually, with like your material, is that you, you do speak about sensitive stuff and you speak graphically about it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you speak about um, terrorism. Yeah. You speak about like people's stereotypes with with um, um, Asian uh, Muslim women. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can say that. That's fine. You can say it, bro. <laughs> you can there? say it, bro. Like, <laughs> man, we. That's what. That's what I don't like. What's going on now is that even me, like, I'm sometimes sensitive. So, like, for example, with the LGBT crowd. The more I do it, the more comfortable I get. But the first one, you're like, what can I say, gay? And you're not being offensive. You don't want to, you so don't want to upset anybody. And uh, that's not what we Mm. should be worrying about. Because to be honest, they've been through so much in the first place. So I don't think hearing that word would upset them. But um, I don't want free speech to go away. I think intention, it counts a lot. So you just Mm. describing me is not offensive. Do you know what I mean? But it's just such a sensitive time at the moment. And... Anyway, so yeah, I talk about these subjects, as you were saying. Yes. You know, you do. You talk about these subjects. And I've noticed like, in your stand-up sometimes that sometimes people sort of laugh at some of these things straight away. And then they realize they probably shouldn't have laughed. <laughs> right? And it's the kind of process that happens. But they already laugh. So then they start 
start questioning themselves mm. as to whether they should have laughed or not. Mm. But um, so how, how much further do you think like like society needs to go in the UK to to just start appreciating like good comedy? I will say. First and foremost, as the act with the mic, I'll take full responsibility. So there's been times where it always goes well, and that means I was good, right? And if I try not to attribute it to the audience, uh, so if if there is sometimes less laughter or muted laughter, I know I should be doing something different, maybe or punching or you know making them feel able to laugh, right? Mm. So 99, percent I'll try and take responsibility and ownership for it. Um, I would say context matters. So a few years ago when ISIS was around, it was really, really a lot harder than it is now because I think white people are really good at laughing at themselves, which is brilliant. Um, I think that shows how advanced they are in terms of audiences and, and appreciating art. But obviously here, they're not laughing at themselves. They're laughing at somebody that they feel is marginalized which I'm not, but there, there's empathy there. So it's about creating an environment at the gig where they know I'm okay and it's all good. Like, let's laugh at this because it's weird and it's funny and and you can laugh at yourself. And I don't feel I'm an oppressed minority. I don't feel that I'm a victim of anything, to be honest with you. Okay. So you, you mentioned um, a little while back about, about the podcast um, and... So you in your third series, you, you're changing the direction slightly to what you've been doing the last couple of series. Yeah, because the first couple of series, we were really it's a really wide remit. So we're talking about what is it like if you don't fit in? And we've talked about that from really good guests in the first couple of series, people at grassroots level who are doing amazing things. And what we what we learned from that is that a lot of people feel that way. It's not just me and Monty. A lot of people feel is hard to find belonging. So that's why we thought we'd take the opportunity in series three to investigate what belonging actually is in the first place. Because mm. I think it's a human experience that there's times and places where you feel more um, assimilated than others. So, you know, we're looking at food with Ainsley Harriet. That makes him feel amazing. Um, if I eat Indian curry, man, like I always feel at home. Like that seriously makes me feel good. Um, and just experience I think it's healing in a way like not that we're trying to kind of heal people's wounds and stuff but it's nice having these experiences uh, from our points of view uh, and talking to some real celebrity guests like we've had really famous people on before but this series has just been one after the other so it's really exciting that we're getting to talk to them authentically in our own voices which um, I have to say thanks to the BBC honestly because uh, they're really open to us being ourselves and there's no kind of restrictions on you know what we how we present ourselves they just want it to be us which is really as you can appreciate from a creative level to be able to have such a uh, free space is is really mm. important when you're you know trying to establish yourself and particularly when like the BBC have been criticized in the past for for, for having an angle for, for for driving it down sort of a left side of route where I think it's because it's BBC sounds yeah exactly so it's different it's kind of separated from the radio fours and, and stuff like that yeah so, so it's really cool mm, I think people should learn that I mean now they're getting rid of the radio iPlayer app then maybe that would divert a few of the listeners over to BBC sounds but yeah available another other platform <laughs> as well. but um I, I noticed that they try and get you to really plug the BBC sounds thing yeah 
Yeah. So um, you've got you've had Nish Kumar on the yes. previous um, episode. How was that? He's a good friend of yours, isn't he? Yeah, he's so nice. Um, every time I was like in Edinburgh, like I'd just bump into him in the street, and he he has he's such a good person in terms of stopping and saying hello and chatting, seeing how you are. Um, I loved having him on the podcast because we were just totally fanzining over comedy. I uh, was chatting about Chris Rock, who I didn't know uh, was his influence and in, who inspired him, but certainly has inspired me and obviously so many other comedians. But yeah, Nish is doing really well. So it was nice to, to talk to somebody at that level. Um, and he's just uh, definitely doing really well. He's just come back from America. So it's exciting times for him. But he's also, he's also um, like one of the main things is he's also quite focal within uh, a politicised world and things. And so he's also trying to have an impact um, on a social level as well as just being a, a great comedian as well. Mm-hmm. So, so um, are you are allowed to talk about the sort of, you've got Andy Harriet coming up, any other guests you want to plug? Or? Oh, we've got Ahir Shah. Uh-huh. Uh, I really love him. He's so smart. Because um, I listened to his ComCom in prep for, for him coming on. And I watched his show Dots at um, Edinburgh. I watched Duffer last year. And he's brilliantly smart. So yeah, those are the ones for now. We So yeah, um, Rose McGowan, Ainsley Harriet, Phil Wang, Phoebe awesome. Robinson. Yeah, I've seen all the, I've seen the posts of uh, Phil Wang. He does a good podcast as well, the podcast yeah. pod with... Um, Pierre Novelli. That's right. Yes. Thank you for that. That's all good, <laughs> anytime. And yeah. um, and so what? So how did Edinburgh go? Because, you know, I, 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 get I get heartbroken every time I go on like Facebook and I see like someone's very focal about how amazing Edinburgh's been for them. And then you've got the flip side of things of people of like, like hemorrhage cash and they got so disheartened by seeing like their leaflets in like the gutters and stuff like that. So how is it for you? Um, I would say it was amazing um, purely because I'm trying to be more glass half full than empty because you can always go down that route and focus on what didn't go so well. But we are in the business of funny. And so mm. in sometimes to be able to kind of give warmth and laughter, you have to feel good yourself to a degree. Although sometimes you can be really funny if things aren't going well. I'm going to uh, admit that. So I would say compared to uh, previous years when I've been up, it wasn't as busy uh, foot flow wise, but it was sufficiently busy. And I got to perform at least three, four times a day. So that's not a luxury I have here where the most I might be able to do is maybe two a night. So it's definitely a good boot camp for, you know, brushing up your skills, getting yourself out there. And um, I watched 60 shows so yeah not only did I enjoy performing a lot but I also watched so much and immersed myself in it so towards the end I was definitely ready to come back because I was a little bit like missing home a little bit but it was such a brilliant experience man and hadn't been up for a few years so it definitely was worth the wait when you supported this year was it was it a paid one I did a half uh, it was a free show with my yeah yeah, I did a split bill and it was at Voodoo Rooms and Mm. um, that has its own kind of uh, reputation and good audience so um, honestly it was a brilliant to be part of and uh, exciting it was nice it felt like being a proper comic which sometimes is hard to feel uh, but yeah it it was definitely good I'm gonna hopefully do next year so are you and um, no, I haven't done one yet okay I mean, cool I, I again I, I think people place too much value on on these things um because you travel for gigging anyway, right? Quite yeah, a bit, a so it's fine. So. I just I saw recently a comedian. I won't mention his name because I, I don't know how the rest of it's going to go. But <laughs> like he, he um, saved up the money like you would for for um, Edinburgh Fringe, and instead of going to Edinburgh Fringe, he put it into a tour and sort of built a gradual following around 
the world actually that's brilliant and so he did it that way so he put the 10 grand that he put into that and then that funded as it went around so yeah it took a long time for it to take get traction and now i've supported him a couple of his nights and it you know some of them didn't no one turned up to some of them and things like that and and he, he really demoralized him for a little mm. bit but he said over over a longer period of time it was more valuable than going up Definitely. Um, That's so. I really admire anybody being entrepreneurial like that. And this business is really about the stamp that you put on it. So there, there's a fixed model. But I had a conversation with Gus Khan a few years ago, and he said, "I don't need to do the fringe because uh, you don't have to." Like if you look at Mo Gilligan with the Instagram and stuff, like if you're able to be viable and credible yourself, um, it's there for the taking. And then you know the the kind of commissioners and the channels and the producers will follow if you're doing something successful so i, I admire the balls of the guy because it's uh it does take a lot i think mm. yeah putting the money in before you know you got back in from like a like an agent or promoters or management and all that sort of stuff is big risk and we're going to for the podcast we're doing a crossover episode with this uh, french podcast called kiefer to race okay. and it's a similar theme two hours that's why we're doing the crossover so i'm hoping fingers crossed that i can do a gig in paris oh wow yeah that'll wow. be next month so that'll be my first place out of london well out of the uk i should say uh performing and i definitely want to do more so i've asked a few places in amsterdam so i definitely think that guy's onto something in terms of building a following because especially with podcasting with social media you don't need to have um a kind of a base the world can be your base right mm -hmm. if you've done it right i mean one of the one of the like the algorithm for it is is to you know be present in an area for x amount of time say three months for example um go to the open mics do the little um you know the new material nights and all yeah. that stuff and be regular and be noticed and be be just just be sort of a staple in that area do different material try stuff and then go on the local radios and then because you've got that kind of local following they know your name then you can book out one of the bigger venues and sell tickets. And I think that's the way to do it. It just takes time and it does take money. And mm. if you don't do well in certain ones, then you may not go, be able to go back to that one. But it's all a risk. It's a difficult game. Um, I think having that British tag helps. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I've heard of a yeah. lot of acts going out and I think that must stand them in good stead just to yeah. say they're from London or from the UK. But I wonder if it is as long as three months, how taxing that can be on their personal life, just in both in terms of making a living, but also basic things like holding down a relationship because uh, it's uh, asking a lot of your partner unless you're taking them with you, which is again a cost. So are you mm. seeing somebody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's it is true. Yeah. I mean, they say that you, if you're in a relationship before you start comedy, then you've got no chance because if you make this change <laughs> after you've you've set the um set the the bar, then then there's no way of like. I would have thought yeah. it'd be the opposite. I would have thought yeah. that if you find someone before you became whoever you know mm. a big person, then they will. If, yeah. if you They knew you before that. Mm. Whereas I think if if you are already f fucking famous and uh, can I swear if you if you get really famous and then you get somebody who who's really bought into your persona as opposed to you that that would be hard to hold down. Yeah, I think I think what I mean is the is the. Um I know what you mean. You mean the logistics of your relationship, yeah, like the yeah, time that you give yeah. them. But mm. it depends on their character, I think, mm. because 
if they know you and they know the effect that comedy has on you in terms of giving and fulfilling and uh you know how how it makes you mm. feel it's not a fucking choice man i don't think we choose to be comedy c- comedians mm. i think i don't think we choose to be comedians i think comedy chooses us yeah, I think I'm going to get Tony, the editor for this, to just cut this little soundbite out. Okay. So and then we can release that anywhere. And at this point, <laughs> so if anyone ever needs a comment on a relationship, <laughs> could just use this little bit that Sadia has just said. <laughs> um, great. Cheers for that. I'll just, uh, at that point, that's it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, 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 like, but then I think that having a relationship throughout that brings you back down to earth because, because the, the, the other thing is that you, you go from, um, what's it like you, you go to a gig and then you get a call about having to buy ingredients for like a spaghetti bolognese and you're like Jesus oh, I need to, to go on stage and now oh. I need to go and buy mints and milk so you and mean bread. the normality yeah the normality is great because mm. it brings you back down to earth grounded it's yeah. a little bit annoying when just before you're about to go on stage and you go on there thinking about so I've got a whole set now about trying to remember a shopping list that's and funny recording, recording a set I'm saying like <laughs> I record my sets not just because I have to record my sets to listen to myself but I need to remember to buy milk bread cheese <laughs> and I just go into a rant about that um, and then keep referring back to this recording that's always running through the through the thing um, do you find that sometimes the bad things in life are when you're a better comedian versus things going really well bad things in your life what like you if mean? things are going bad so you're going through like either if you're single or if you're broke or something bad's happened like you're being evicted like those bad things are really good for comedy because you're really raw and you've got like that thing to kind of like uh, expel whereas if you're really happy sometimes that's not the best frame of position frame of mind for a comedian because you're so happy mm. I, think I guess so, yeah. If, you're, if you come across or visibly privileged, it doesn't yeah. really work for British comedy because you have to be the butt of the joke. Self-deprecating. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have to be. Like, you mm. can be a joke-joke guy but, or person. Like, you, you know, you can be someone like, you know, Mark Simmons, who's, who's really good at one-liners and he has no kind of, like, mood to it. He's just got his, the way he delivers his jokes and his beats and all that. And that worked. That's fine. But when you're telling stories, you, you know... It's hard to talk about my friend who tripped over and hurt himself because yeah. then you're laughing at somebody. Yeah. Whereas I tripped over and hurt myself and this is what happened because of this. And mm. So how do you balance your mental health or shall I say, what do you do when you're not doing stand-up? Me? I, I just live a normal life. I'm, yeah. I, I do radio. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's, um, let's bring this on to more you because cool. again, I get uncomfortable. I'm about <laughs> Sorry. <myself. laughs> I'm just interested. No, it's it cool. It feels like it's like... comedian's comedian stuff, right? Yeah, it's deep, man. I'm, I'm not going to try and make it. I'm not going to ask you if you're happy at the end. It's fine. Thank um, God. Oh my God. I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> um, are you happy? Don't ask me that. Are you going to ask me that? Are you no, really no, asking me that? I'm not going to ask you that because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Stu's, Stu's thing. What I think mm. with that question is, to be honest, Whenever I'm happy, something bad happens to bring me down. So mm-hmm. I never want to say it to jinx it. No, okay, okay. Are you are you superstitious like that? It's not fucking superstition. It's real life. When <laughs> when things are going all right, as soon as you're like, oh, that's really good. Something mm. will bring you down. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's a horrible question. So you've been going for like nine years now, nearly ten years. So, Thank you. <laughs> um, so, well, sorry, is that, is that no, no, bad no, thing? no, 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 no. <laughs> um, how much has your material changed over that, that time? Good question, Thank and I you. hate you for it. Um, to be honest with you, I hate to use this hacky phrase, but it's like finding your voice. Mm-hmm. So I look back at my old stuff, and um, it was fine. I think it's just uh, 
speaking of the time. So I used to work in a call center. I did stuff on that. But then I felt, what I felt was weird is that I didn't like it when it worked because I felt it was a bit hacky. I don't think it was, maybe I was too harsh, but I didn't have the persona that made sense that tied it all together or the voice, if you want to use that term. So all the way years through, I feel now that I know my point of view. So it's easy to hatch things on, hang things on that. Whereas as opposed to just doing material on observations, now I understand my worldview. And so it, it's contextualized a bit mm-hmm. more. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, a bit of a horny, uh, frustrated uh, Muslim and uh, British person. Like, you know, this sounds really weird. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> What's my persona? My persona, I like to call out bullshit if something don't make sense to me. I don't know everything. And uh, yeah, I love dick. And that's yeah. it. And I know that now. But like when you're starting comedy, uh, there's an element of just needing to, to be good enough to get the gigs and to kind of do your sets and be comfortable and, and get all the stage technique in. But um, now it's good that you kind of like know the voice. It's easier to write for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, when do you draw attention to the things that are instantly obvious about you straight away? No, um, I feel less of a need to, at the beginning I did when I started stand up, I, I had a routine about how the headscarf is like, you know, when you're doing karate and you get different belts. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, we wear the orange one when we're basic and then the black one is like when we're ninjas mm. and like, so, but I don't feel like I need to talk about it as much. But I sometimes do because a lot of people might not be familiar with my work. So it's not new for them, even though I'm comfortable doing a set that completely doesn't touch on it. I feel sometimes it helps. Mm. So you have to gauge it because sometimes you don't want to bore yourself, but also you don't want to do a disservice to the audience. So if I'm doing a really good bit that doesn't touch on it, then it's fine if I'm really happy with a good bit. But if if I was doing a new bit and they need something, it might not necessarily be about appearance. It could be, it's just balancing so that they have a good experience and they enjoy the show. But it's so commonplace now versus when I started. A lot of people are wearing the headscarf and so there's a lot more understanding of it as well, okay, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not yeah. as um, rare as it used to be. Like it, when I was growing up in school, nobody wore it. Mm. Uh, the school I went to if there was it was really small amounts and it's so like there's fashion hijabis now on YouTube there's vloggers there's Instagram hijabis so to be honest I, I don't even know you know like don't really feel that I relate to a lot of them because I never used to wear it for fashion purpose as well do you know what mm. I mean do you think it's become a bit hack though now that, that, that if there is a, a like a surgence of of um, you know more people speaking about it that it's actually become harder for you um that's a good point it's more that when i wore it this is gonna sound really weird but i think i liked that i was different mm-hmm. and now i don't have that anymore so yeah. it, it's 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 become very normalized um which i know a lot of people think that you should be happy about but i didn't wear it for anybody's satisfaction or for how anybody else felt about it so I mean, if it makes people feel better because there's more of us, then that's good. But, you know, uh, I always try and be unique and original in the way I talk about it. So I wouldn't not talk about it if I had a good thing to say. But to say something that's 
too obvious or predictable i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, just talk about it just for the sake of talking about mm, it i only mm. want to talk about it if I, what i'm saying is going to make someone laugh or that they've not heard before and that's become like to refine your material to make sure that you're you know you've got you've got the jokes in there you've got the laughs in there yeah it's not just about just yeah. talking for an hour or yeah, yeah exactly it's not a ted talk i'm not here to help uh, like you said it's a different thing to the podcast is stand-up is to yeah. make people laugh so uh if they want to talk about it i don't think people are that curious about the hijab anymore to be honest with you <laughs> so okay that, that does bring me on to a really good a really good bit and is, is completely stealing your stuff you what you have been recognized in the podcasting world or in at least the online world is the frequently asked questions that you get about being a british asian muslim so i say yeah so what questions are still grinding on you I have to be so honest with you. Nobody asks me any questions anymore. Really? So this series, our new question is including, we still ask for FAQs, but we're asking people, what does home mean for them? Okay. So if I'm lucky, you might tell me. But um, these are more old questions that I used to get, but I don't really get asked anymore because sometimes when I was at the fringe, I, I was a bit coy or playful and mm. I was like oh, have you got any questions you'd like to ask Muslim and nobody really does so that's why that's why I say people aren't that hijab curious because I don't know man to be honest with you pre-terrorism there were a lot of questions they were mm. like when is you going to get your arranged marriage can you cook um you know uh, what's bio those type of questions and then terrorism came along and I think it made people it, it was divisive and so there was all this tension because there was just unspoken tension about like whose side are you on are you british more than you're something else so and then now we've come to a far i think easier time where it's less um tense but not so many questions that's good yeah so, so, I mean, so since you've been doing the podcast it's grown um as well since you've been in comedy at least it's grown you get last asked less and less so let me flip that then um is a little prelude to your um, new series and oh. um, what does home mean to you oh man okay home means feeling comfortable feeling safe having good food uh my boyfriend music amy winehouse sometimes swimming which is really random but just i think home means not having to explain yourself and feeling feeling good like where you are so you don't have to be like watching over your back or feeling like you're an outsider even though I think as comedians we're a bit outsider-ish anyway but just feeling like you're going to be okay for the period of time that you're there if that mm. makes any sense no it makes, makes so much sense so much sense yeah thank you so much for joining me Sadia oh you're welcome thank you for having me and good luck and where can people find you uh, Instagram and Twitter at Sadia underscore Asmats underscore and do subscribe to No Country for Young Women BBC Sounds please and uh, yeah holler at me if you've got any things you want to ask a Muslim <laughs> I'm joking no just holler at me if you want it or, or come to our gigs yeah, it'd be great one. if you see us. We've got a website. I'll put it in the show notes. Sadiaazmat.com, but definitely Twitter and Instagram. I always retweet the gigs and stuff like on there, so that's better. That's more updated than the website. 
to that Asadia Asmat. What an amazing conversation that was. I really enjoyed hanging out with her. She's a great comedian and her podcast, No Country for Young Women, is absolutely brilliant. All the information of how you can follow her and go along to some of her gigs are going to be in the show notes, so definitely go and check those out. Don't forget that if you go over to my website, lukeantonycomedy.co.uk, there's a donate button there. You can donate to the podcast for the running costs. And if you're feeling generous, you could give this podcast a nice five-star rating. It really helps get it up in the rankings and heard by more people. That really, really helps. But that's it for me. Speak to you soon. Hello, I'm Luke Anthony. Do you love hearing about the stars, careers, lives and mental health? Well, Meet the Stars is a brand new podcast all about that. Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member, which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.